Finally, that time, everybody, and oh, are we ready to roll. Games on in this 2017 uh, FBS college football campaign. Great to have you along on our uh, very first edition regular season of uh, Strong as Steel, the very top show of evaluation and assessments for you anywhere along the college football landscape. I'm Michael Regai, and as always, pleased to be joined by the preeminent uh, assessor, author of Phil Steele's College Football Preview, and so much more on philsteele.com. Phil Steele, it's been a while, so great to be talking to you, my friend, and uh, we are now in game mode, and that's the best way to be, correct? Oh, absolutely, Michael. You know, one thing I want to point out to all the listeners today, we're going to cover a lot of games but if you really want to get prepped for the football season, you already have your college football preview. You know, that's the best way to do it. The other way would be listen to each of the preseason podcasts we did on the conferences. Spend a good hour on each conference, breaking them down, and there's no better way to get ready for the season. You'll become an instant expert on all 130 teams. So do go to iTunes, check out the uh, podcast for all the conferences. They're all up there right now. And you can become an instant expert on every conference, not just the top 25 teams. Yeah, that's the only way to do it. And uh, you'll join us, of course, here uh, on the podcast each and every week as what we do is, as Phil just said, augment everything you're going to see all over philsteel.com and with the various resources we give you. Our producer, Jim Nabosna, he's ready to roll for another season as well. And, of course, uh, you can uh, jump in on the show, 646-668-2248. That's 646-668-2248. You can tweet at the show, at philsteel042, at Michael Regai and at Jimmy Boz 5. That's the way you do it. Phil, what do you say? We uh, Of course, we got rolling with a few games uh, over uh, last weekend, but, uh, you know, everything that you did to identify where you might go toward the, the end of this college football campaign with your final four in uh, Phil Steele's college football preview, as we start today, just, just refresh everyone. Phil, who do you see as uh, the four that make the playoff uh, coming in? To this 2017 season? Well, I went way out on a limb with one of the teams, Michael, and I picked <laughs> Alabama to make the playoffs, actually. Uh, yeah. no, no shocker there. Uh, and I do have them favored in all 12 games this year. I also have Ohio State, which goes from having just six returning starters to 15 this year. I think the addition of Kevin Wilson as the offensive coordinator is huge. And 
I have Ohio State favored in all 12 games this year. And then you go to USC. You know, the, the Trojans are a team that last year began the year with an inexperienced defensive line and question marks at quarterback. Sam Darnold answered those quarterback questions week four. The defensive line matured and dominated down the stretch. And when you look at USC, they've got the talent and the schedule. Well, they'll be favored in all 12 games. I think they make the playoffs. And then Florida State. Last year when I talked to Coach Jimbo Fisher and we went over his team unit by unit after we got to the end of each position, he said, boy, are we going to be good next year. Well, next year's here for Florida State. They have the toughest schedule in the top four, playing Alabama at a neutral site, taking on Clemson and Florida, both on the road late in the year. But I still think they have the talent to get to the playoffs this year, and that makes them dangerous. You're going chalk, my man. You're going chalk. I am the chalk in a lot of areas, Michael. <laughs> yeah, well, there you are. Listen, so Phil's going that way. I'm going to go way, way out uh, on a different edge for you. You ready for this real quick? I'm ready. Bama and USC, of course, as one and four. You ready for this at two and three? I'm going to go Clemson to get there again instead of Florida State to win the ACC. And Phil, the Penn State Nittany Lions to right the wrong of last year when, as Big Ten winner, they make a great case they should have been in the college football playoff. So I'm going to have a little bit of fun and have Clemson and Penn State join Alabama and USC. And, of course, you and I will have root beers on those. So how's that for a way to get out on the ledge and go a little bit different for you? You know, sounds good. And, you know, with Clemson, uh, they've got the best offensive line in the ACC. They've got the, the best uh, defensive line in the country, one of the best defenses in the country as well. They get that Florida State game at home. And with Penn State, the only thing I don't like about them, Michael, is the schedule. Mm. When they do play Ohio State, the team that I picked to get there, Penn State will have just played Michigan in whiteout conditions at night, had to go to the max to beat Michigan, travel to Columbus the next week. Ohio State not only playing with revenge, but at home and off a bye. So I think it's a tremendous situation for Ohio State there. If Penn State overcomes that, and they really don't have a weakness on the team, they could very well do that. But uh, it's going to be a tough situation there. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch, and this is what we'll do each and every week. That's why you got to stay locked in with us right here. Uh, strong as steel. We bill it as the very best podcast you're going to find anywhere in the college football landscape, and we believe we'll back that up for you each and every week with the evaluations of the very best in the business, our own Phil Steele. Let's get rolling, Phil, as we take a look at Labor Day weekend, the first big weekend. Phil, let's start with a squad that uh, pretty much has been ranked at number 25 out of the SEC, Butch Jones. His life uh, post-Joshua Dobbs now. Got to go into Atlanta next Monday and tangle with Paul Johnson's option attack, Diedrich Mills and the gang at Georgia Tech. How do you see this one playing out for Butch Jones and his crew? We know this one's labeled a a neutral site game because it's uh, being played uh, at a neutral site technically, but it's in Georgia Tech's home city. So you know they're going to have the crowd edge there. And uh, when I look at this matchup, I think, I like Tennessee in it for a couple of reasons. First of all, Tennessee disappointed everyone last year, including myself. Yes, I picked them to win the SEC East. No, they did not get there. Mm. They did have a a defense that was depleted at the end of the year. I mean, they were missing like six or seven starters, giving up 500, 600 yards per game down the stretch. It was ridiculous. They lose Joshua Dobbs. Nobody is picking Tennessee this year because they got burnt by them last year. They lose Joshua Dobbs. They lose their top 
uh, rusher, and they lose Kamara to the NFL. They lose their top receiver. So there's a lot of question marks with Tennessee, and that defense was poor down the stretch. But I like the talent Butch Jones got. They've got the entire month to prep for the option of Georgia Tech, and that's an advantage. I think option teams have their best advantage during the week of the season. The mm-hmm. Teams are tough to prepare for them, and they catch them a little bit off guard. You cannot prep for the option in one week, the cut blocking and everything that goes on with it. But here Tennessee's had the entire month to break down the option. Last year when they took on App State, which runs an option-based offense, not as much option as Georgia Tech, but they held them to about 160 yards below their season average. It was the second-best performance any defense had against them all year. And on the flip side of the coin, you know, like Georgia Tech's defense, it's going to be stronger this year, but they were a team that did it with mirrors down the stretch. And what I mean by that is when they played Georgia, they won that game, they were out first down 22-15. to 15. When they beat Virginia, they won. They were out first down 25-8. to 8. When they beat Virginia Tech, they were out first down 25-15, to 15, but they won all three of those games despite being massively out first down, out yarded, did it with a little bit of smoke and mirrors. I like Tennessee to get this one in the opener, mm. probably by about a touchdown. Is uh, Butch Jones on your hot seat, Phil, one of your coaches' hot seats? Yeah, I did an article on ESPN.com. By the way, ESPN.com, if you go to ESPN.com slash Phil Steele, get all my articles for the year. I've got my power ratings up there. You'll love that. That's a, one. It's my Vegas power ratings every Tuesday and Wednesday. Michael, I actually got the Westgate Hotel and Casino to give me their numbers every Sunday night, and I put that in the article as well. That's a great article. It's on ESPN Insider, and if you're thinking, hey, that's a pay site, it's just $3.33 a month. But you get articles like that. My coach is on the hot seat, which made that uh, ESPN.com. I'll have uh, ESPN Insider College and NFL selections all up there, all for just three thirty three. But to answer your question, yes, Butch Jones is definitely on my hot seat list. Yeah, check out Phil Stills' college football preview as well as his writings on ESPN.com, and you'll be able to uh, get all of that and a whole lot more. Our number to get a hold of us, 646-668-2248. You can hear the excitement in our voices because we love what we do, and we love you joining us with your thoughts as well. A big one, big one coming up on Thursday night in the state of Indiana. Here's Jeff from Indiana joining us on strong as steel jeff how are you welcome to the show i'm doing well michael it's good to hear your voice phil 85 for 90 last nine seasons calling the ap top 10 in february the pope of the preseason indeed and i can't wait for that uh first inside the press box to hit my inbox now i want to kick it off with the hoosiers their qb lego is a fifth year senior now so hopefully cut down on his interceptions and obviously the all-american scales at middle linebacker and i think uh they're, they're one of your favorite defenses this year, but they're plus 21 versus Ohio State last time I checked. So the question is, do they cover? But remember, in Bloomington, and they've got Coach Corso coming back for college game day. The boys are going to be fired up. <laughs> appreciate so, you, uh, Jeff. Do, do they cover? Yeah. Hey, Jeff, I appreciate the call and the comments. I really do. Thank you very much. And, uh, you know, when, when I look at this matchup, I, I've got it actually right where Vegas has this one because I can make a great case for Indiana, much of what you just touched on. I mean, they've got the veteran senior quarterback. I, I talked to uh, Coach Allen at length this year, and 
love the fact that love their defense. I mean, Greg Gooch at defensive end, Nate Hoff at tackle. This Indiana has never been known for defense. To Gray Scales, all-American type of linebacker. They're Husky, Mar- Marciello Ball, Rashad Fan at corner. They are loaded on the defensive side, and they will be able to slow down Ohio State. Ohio State's not going to put up 40 or 50 points in this game. Indiana's defense too good for that. To me, the key is... Richard Lego, if he can cut down on the interceptions, which last year, 19 touchdowns, great, 17 interceptions, horrific. And uh, Coach, Coach Allen has that as a priority, cut down on the interceptions this year. Uh, and if he can do that, they could definitely stay in this game. But Ohio State's advantage is, first of all, offense coordinator Kevin Wilson used to be the head coach at Indiana, so they know the personnel inside and out. And I think this game is important to Kevin Wilson. Generally, when Ohio State travels to Bloomington, they bring a large amount of fans with them, so I do think there will be a good contingent of Ohio State fans there in Indiana. And Ohio State's a much more experienced team than they were last year, coming going from six returning starters to 15. I think JT Barrett regains his form of 2014 when he was a Heisman contender. That defensive front line, I mean, I don't know anybody that could block that defense. They go deep. They go about five, six deep at defensive end. At times, you're going to see four defensive ends on the field. It's my number two rated defensive line in the country. So a very talented Ohio State, but they do have Oklahoma on deck. Another advantage for Indiana. So I can make a case for either team. Uh, My original number was 21. I was going to let Vegas decide who I like, but guess what? They put it right where I had it at 21. Appreciate the call, Jeff. Good stuff from Jeff, as always, our man uh, from the, the great state of Indiana. This is how we do it on Strong as Steel, 646-668-2248. We'll take a look-see as, as many as we can throughout the course what is a big college football weekend. Actually, five days of college football that starts uh, Thursday tomorrow and runs all the way through Labor Day Monday. Let's swing into the uh, the great state of New York with some Pac-12 versus ACC thoughts for us on Strong as Steel. Here's Mark. Hey, Mark, how you doing? Hey, guys, how you doing? Appreciate the summer with all the great podcasts and uh, definitely looking forward to week one of some college football. We uh, are awesome, doing, Mark. Go right ahead. Thank you. So I'm uh, looking at the Cal-UNC game, and I see the numbers at UNC minus 11. I just look at a team that lost pretty much their entire offense. I mean, no Bug Howard, Switzer, Elijah Hood, or Trubitsky, obviously. And I just know, I know Cal's got a new head coach, but they pound the ball, and their offense always seems to be humming. I just feel like they, they're going to hang around that number and could even possibly look at an upset for the Cal Golden Bears. What do you guys think? Mm. All right. Appreciate the call, Mark, and the comments once again. And, uh, you know, this is a, an interesting matchup. As you mentioned, generally when, when uh, someone breaks down a team, you look at the quarterback, running back, receivers, and in this case losing the top two receivers, losing the top basically th- uh, four rushers from last year, and Trubisky, you got to think they're going to struggle. But, you know, Fedora's offenses usually work best with a mobile quarterback. I think Brandon Harris, the LSU transfer, would give them that. Uh, you look at the running back situation. They've got a guy in Jordan Brown, who is my number 25-rated running back out of high school. They add in Michael Carter, who is my number 38-rated running back. So they have some talent there in the receiving position. They bring in a couple of transfers, which I think will have an impact. They also have Anthony Ratliff-Williams, another VHT. So there's plenty of VHT sprinkled into the lineup there. Uh, The defense looks like, even though they lose Chiswick, uh, I think that when you look at the overall talent, they're a little bit more experienced this year. They're catching Cal traveling across the country. And I think Cal's, you know, with Ross Bowers at the QB position, I wasn't blown away by Ross Bowers in this spring or even last spring. So I wonder how that's going to affect in his first road start. And 
also my concern here is generally when you have a young offensive line and a young quarterback, your first road start is usually your roughest game of the season. Well, Cal's got a very young offensive line. Losing to Wayne Wallace, they basically have nobody back up front, new system, new offensive line, new quarterback playing on the road. And I think North Carolina's a little bit under the radar. So I've actually got North Carolina winning that one by a couple of touchdowns. And I like the heels in that one. Once again, really appreciate the call, Mark. That's how you do it, Mark, and Mark will be with us uh, all season long. We want you to be as well, so make sure that uh, you and all your college football friends know that uh, everything that uh, Phil does on the website at philsteel.com for ESPN, you can get it enhanced right here, not only through uh, Inside the Press Box at Phil Steel Plus, but right here on Strong as Steel each and every week for you as uh, we come at you to get you ready for the college football weekend. Again, it's 646-668-2248. I'm Michael Regai with Phil Steele, our producer, Jim Nabosna. Let's keep rolling. Let's uh, head out to the uh, the state of Arizona. And here's our man, Ryan, with some thoughts on Kirby Smart and the Georgia Bulldogs against that tough, tough squad, Scott Satterfield and uh, Appalachian State. Hey, Ryan, how you doing? Welcome to Strongest Steel. How's everything going, fellas? I, uh, Great. Good to have you, Ryan. Like, appreciate it. Uh, long-time listener, first-time caller, as they say, but I uh, really appreciate the, <laughs> all the insight you guys provide. And I wanted to see the, the Georgia-App State game. I know with, with it around uh, 14th or so, um, with the App State you know, being such a senior, junior, senior, um, upper squad and uh, kind of playing how, how good they played Tennessee last year, but they kind of got bombed by Miami. And then Georgia coming back, just want to see what your thoughts are on that 14 or so uh, spread. Okay, appreciate the call, Ryan. And actually, George is about a ten-point favorite in this game, so it makes it. Or, no, they are fourteen. Sorry about that. My line is around ten in this, which pretty much tells you the way I'm leaning. Uh, I think it's going to mirror last year's game. I mean, when you look at App State, it seems like Ryan Lamb, their quarterback, has been there for about ten years, doesn't it? I mean, <laughs> yeah, he's one of right. the most veteran, one of the most veteran quarterbacks <laughs> in the country. They got Jalen Moore running back, a veteran offensive line. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kobe Gossett, Bo Nunn, Victor Johnson, all big boys that can move the pile. Defensively, I love these guys up front. Antonio Sims, Myquan Stout, the linebacking core with Boggs and Clifton Duck at cornerback, loaded with talent this App State team is. In fact, 14 returning starters. Last year they probably should have beaten Indiana in the opening or Tennessee in the opening game of the season. They gave up that late score, led them a good portion of the game. A missed field goal was probably a key play in the fourth quarter. So I think they're going to be dangerous. Now, they did catch Tennessee last year looking ahead to Virginia Tech. Well, Georgia next week, how about Notre Dame traveling to South Bend? And I've read numerous articles this preseason talking about Georgia-Notre Dame, how important the game is, going to South Bend. Now, I haven't read that many articles written about Georgia and App State, so I think we might have a similar type of situation here where Georgia's got that big game on deck. You you know, you can talk to the kids all you want about this being an important game, but they've got to look ahead. App State runs a little bit of option, which, of course, can affect you. And I, I like the talent Georgia has. They've got practically everybody back on defense. No superstars on defense, but uh, a good defense with a defensive-minded head coach. Jacob Eason, erratic throwing the football deep down the field. In fact, he just hit 8 of 49 passes at 25-plus yards last year. They do have running backs Chubb and Michelle, but I think App State takes this one right to the wire. Uh, Even though it's between the hedges, I'm going to take the Mountaineers there. Appreciate the call, Ryan. Yeah, good stuff, Ryan. Phil, I'm going to right away, my group of six squad to make the New Year's Day festivities – Scott Satterfield on Appalachian State, man. Love them. I have all the reasons you just.
Are you there, Michael? Love them as well. Michael just dropped off for one second as we go to the next caller. That is Pat from Chicago. Pat, how you doing? Doing pretty well. How you guys doing? Good, Pat. Go ahead with your Hello? question, Pat. Hello, Pat. Uh, Can you hear us? Yeah, Phil, thank you so much for taking the call. I really appreciate it. Excited for uh, another year of college football. Sounds good. What 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 can we answer for you today? Uh, this one goes out about Coach Harson and the mighty uh, Boise State uh, out there Broncos. on the blue turf. Yeah, yeah, the Broncos on the blue turf. Uh, so I noticed that the Troy line started off uh, upwards of uh, over thirteen, and now it's going down to ten and a half. Do you think that uh, Brett Rippin can? Uh, Will the Broncos to the cover? They let me down a lot last year, and uh, it's a new season, so I think that they can do it. What do you think? All right, appreciate the call, Pat. And, uh, you know, what happens with Las Vegas is they generally will compensate. For example, Boise State was almost unbeatable on the blue turf for years. So what happened was they kept inflating the home lines, inflating the home lines. You look at the last two seasons, Boise State is actually 2-10 and 10 against the spread at home on the blue turf because people just pay that extra price. Well, I think you hit it on the head. The number now is starting to come down because it's the numbers lost a little bit of luster. There's people that have won a lot of money going against the blue turf, and, uh, and I, I think you're going to continue to see Boise numbers come down until they get that corrected. But I still think Troy is probably the play here, and let me tell you why. Uh, talked to their head coach, Neil Brown, in the, prior to the season. Asked him about the blue turf. Says he's not intimidated by it whatsoever. They're ready to play. They are a loaded team at Troy. They're one that was a uh, losing team two years ago. Opened up last season a little slow. Finished it strong. They've got a quarterback themselves and Brandon Silvers, who nobody really knows. Jordan Chun, their running back. 6'1", 240 pounds. He is a stud. The defense... Also, a much improved group. Overall, Troy has got the best team Neil Brown has put on the field. They won 10 games last year. They feel they can make a statement in this game. So I think Boise wins the game, but I only have them win the game by about a touchdown. And I think if you're uh, if you're going to play Boise, uh, Pat, what you should probably do is wait a little bit. I think the number continues to come down as the week goes on, maybe pounce on it a little bit later. But uh, I, I like Troy plus the 11.5 in that one. Appreciate the call. Thank you. Very nice. Now we head out to Chicago. Jay from Chicago has a question about Navy versus the new Lane Kiffin and Florida Atlantic. Hey, Phil. Thanks for having me back on the podcast this year. Uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, we're going to touch on the Navy-Florida uh, Atlantic game. we got uh, the Lane train on the sidelines for FAU. Uh, it's going against an always uh, tough Navy team. Um, but, you know, uh, Lane's going to throw up some points. I think there's uh, the quarterback position is still up in the air in question for uh, FAU this week. But I think uh, both teams are going to be able to talk up some points here. Yeah, I, I would agree with you, Jay. And, by the way, good to hear you back on the uh, podcast once again this year. Uh, you know, when you look at Florida Atlantic, as you touch on, DeAndre Johnson, the uh, the Florida State transfer battling Jason Driscoll for that starting job. Driscoll, the returning starter from last year. Their offense coordinator, Kendall Bryles, talked to him this spring and uh, feels pretty good about the skill positions they have. Little question marks on the offensive line, but hopefully he got that worked out in the month of August. Defensively, when you look at FAU, an experienced squad. In fact, FAU, the most experienced squad in the country. They're number one in my experience ratings, and Kiffin was making some headlines in the month 
of August. Uh, he's to pulling a little Terry Bowden there, bringing in a bunch of FBS transfers at different positions, including the defensive line. So I think you'll see some of these guys come in and have an impact. I think Florida Atlantic could be a dangerous team this year. And remember, we talked about the Georgia Tech-Tennessee game earlier in the podcast. I do think that teams that have the entire month to prepare for the option do well. And all you have to do is look at how Navy's done. First five weeks of the season, they usually start out slower scoring points than they do at the end of the year when they're putting up 40, 45 points a game. So I think the situation, the fact that Florida Atlantic is at home in the heat of Florida, uh, the extra time to prepare, the hyped home crowd for Lane Kiffin, uh, dangerous offense. I mean, who does Navy have that's going to prep them for a Kendall Bryles pass offense like this? I do think the two uh, styles going against each other probably does lead towards a higher scoring game. But I think Florida Atlantic's got the potential for an upset here. Should be a great game. I like the underdog in that one. Appreciate the call, Jay. Jimmy, who we got next? Hey, Phil, I think I'm back. We apologize for the what? technical difficulties here on how strong is steel. It's a, it's game one, so we're trying to work out all our schematics here. So do apologize to all of you. Phil, I know you just went through a uh, a couple of games. Uh, that's uh, that's terrific. Uh, let's move on. Now, I uh, While I was trying to make sure we were technically sound to go, I maybe had uh, missed one that you were going through, uh, as well as what we had here and what we've already looked at. Phil, did you uh, uh, did you just touch on uh, Florida and Michigan? Did you do that? Nope. Did Florida Atlantic Navy and uh, Boise okay. State and Troy? How's that catch? All right, perfect. And there's a there's uh, okay. a big button in front of your microphone there, Michael. It says press button to hit mic. So you press that button and then your mic is on. I'm just kidding okay. with the listeners out there. There is I know. There. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had no idea we were rolling into. All right, be that as it may, uh, let's move on here. Big one, Phil, and we're going to get, to, of course, to uh, to Florida State and Alabama. Alabama one, Florida State uh, either two or three. Uh, but the other one that's garnering a lot of attention nationally will be played down in Dallas, and there's been a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, coaching conversation going back and forth, mostly sticking Stimulated by uh, Jim McElwain this week, but McElwain will take his Florida Gators, ranked number 17, and to see the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, it's in Dallas at Jerry's World. Florida nine-win football team last year. Michigan a ten-win football team last year. Phil, I, I think this one's going to be very intriguing for a lot of different reasons, don't you? Yeah, I think it's going to be a high. And, you know, then you have to look at the fact that uh, Florida's got eight suspended players for the game, including their top wide receiver. Antonio Gall- Callaway, and, uh, you know, you wonder about that. want to make a quick comment, though. I've, you know, doing a magazine, you rely on the schools to provide you a roster of the players when you're doing a magazine. And I have to say it was pretty much Bush League by Michigan the entire year, did not provide a roster. I believe one finally came up today. That is completely amateur hour and Bush League to hold off on putting out a roster. I don't know what kind of advantage you expect to gain. Everybody in the country knows the players on the team. I'm sure when you look at my magazine compared to the roster, it's going to be pretty accurate. But uh, I don't understand why any team in the country would hold off putting off a roster until 
until two days before the regular season. Just a little uh, pet peeve on my part. But now let's talk about There you go. You got that out (laughs) front and center. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, Now take a look at Michigan. I think Michigan's a very talented team. In fact, I've read all eight of their units and the top units in the front of my magazine, which is surprising because they're very inexperienced. They're number 128 on my experience chart. They have four returning starters on offense, one on defense. Yeah, there's plenty of talent, like a top 10 defensive line, despite losing all four starters. But inexperienced teams usually do struggle the first couple games of the season. And Florida's much more experienced. And despite their two recent losses, which have seen the um, Vegas has adjusted the game for Michigan being a three-point favorite up to a four-point favorite because of it, uh, I think their receiving core very deep. In fact, it's probably their best receiving core that they've had in five to ten years. They've got three capable quarterbacks in Malik Zaire, Felipe Franks, and uh, Luke Del Rio, who uh, I think any of the three starting would do well. I do believe McElroy has picked a starter. I don't. I think he just hasn't announced a starter. That's that's my opinion heading into the game. And I think Florida's defense going to be close to last year. Their offense is going to be much better. Remember, the last two years, Florida has lost its quarterback early in the season. And they've only averaged, I mean, they've been a below-average offense by the time they limp into that SEC title game, averaging about 20 points per game on a year. This year they're going to average over 30 points per game. They also have my number three special teams in the country this year. So I think Florida's going to be a very surprising team this year. And I think they pull the upset here in the uh, the first game of the season. I like the fact that they're playing them week one. Uh, you know, I think Michigan's going to be playing its best ball at the end of the year. All right, so Phil likes Florida there, and Phil, you know, it's funny you mentioned that's Jim McElwain, and I guess that's his response to uh, Jim Harbaugh by not uh, discussing or at least not revealing who his starting quarterback will be. I got a feeling that he's going to play a couple, and uh, I- I'm going to say it's going to be Felipe Franks and uh, and uh, not Malik Zaire, but we'll see. I think, you know, Franks at that size and with that ability to throw the football, that that's something that uh, Florida – to go with that terrific defense, uh, I, I think that ultimately it's going to be Franks as the season wears along for Jim McElwain. You know, Phil, too, the interesting thing, and you're one of the few evaluators that have uh, uh, touched on it, and that's what makes uh, Phil Steele's college football preview the best. You know, I hear everybody else talking about, well, Michigan's only got one defensive starter. But, Phil, you know, if I may, uh, I think that is uh, almost a little bit erroneous and skewed, and I'll tell you why. I'm going to give you eight guys, eight, four defensive linemen, Winovich, Monet, Hurst, and Gary, who both could be All-Americans. They were backups last year, but, Phil, they played over 25 to almost 35% of the snaps. Same with linebacker Devin Bush. Same with Josh Metellus and uh, and also Kalike Hudson and Lavert Hill. So you see what I mean? I just gave you nine names that played a lot of football defensively. Yeah, they weren't starters, but it's not like that some kids you know walking out of high school to see the playing field at a program like that for the very first time. So I feel that that thing about well, Michigan's only got one defensive starter defensively. Uh, well, maybe in essence true but not true for the playing time that all those young men I mentioned had last year with Don Brown. Yeah, and I have the number nine defensive line in the country, number 28 set of linebackers, number 28 DBs, and and generally an inexperienced team would not rank in my top 30 in each of those units. So uh, cognizant of that fact, and it sort of reminds me a little bit, remember Bobby Bowden at Florida State used to play two offensive lines in every game, and then the next season would roll along, they'd lose four offensive line starters, 
but the backups would have played 30% of the previous game, and, and there was no miss beaten, and that's why Florida State finished in the top five for how many straight years? A, a record, you know, it was double-digit years. They were always in the top five at the end of the year. Sure, absolutely. All right, this is how we do it here at Strong as Steel. Again, apologize for uh, the earlier technical snafu here in game one for us of the regular season, but guarantee you going forward uh, we'll have those all ironed out. Again, 646-668-2248, 646-668-2248, and on Twitter as well, um, at PhilSteel042, at Michael Regai, and at Jimmy Boz five. All right, uh, let's go back out to the uh, the state of Arizona and welcome Ryan in here on Strong Is Steel. Ryan, welcome to the show. Good to have you. Appreciate it, fellas. And, and uh, I'd asked a question earlier about Georgia, and I appreciate getting this one in because my question on um, early trap games. Um, Phil kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier, and I just want to see if, with all the research that Phil has done, do you think Vegas adjusts their spreads when teams currently play an inferior opponent, say this week, and are maybe looking ahead, like um, kind of more thinking USC, Western Michigan, or Notre Dame Temple, for example, when they have harder games coming up? Do you think um, kind of looks into that, adjusting the spreads, or do you think they just kind of go off their power rankings and just kind of stick with it, not really looking ahead week to week? Yeah. Okay. Appreciate the call again, Ryan. And, uh, you know, I, I think they definitely look at every factor and they give me an example and, uh, you know, how, of the factors they look at, I think it was back in the eighties when Joe Montana was a quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers one year, San Francisco, I believe went to eight, no against the spread as an away favorite. And they were winning games by three to four points a game, but the spreads were only one and a half, two points per game. The next year they went on the road again, won all the road games by three to four points per game. But they actually went two and six against the spread because Vegas had adjusted, and now they were laying six points every time they went on the road, and they weren't covering despite the fact they played the same that they did on the road the previous year. The spread record was a lot different. So the folks in Vegas didn't build all those big casinos uh, by uh, being just uh, look uh, not looking at every single thing. So I, I think they factor that all in, but they also have to factor in the public, where the money's going to fall, and that's why I think there still is value taking teams that are, you know, going against teams that are in a sandwich situation, looking ahead to a big game the next week, because uh, the the general public doesn't necessarily put that into their thought, but Vegas definitely does. Appreciate the call, Ryan. And, Michael, why don't you ask me about a a game involving a top 25 team and a uh, FCS team? Yeah, top 25 and FCS. Anyone, huh? Just like this. See, this is how the man comes through. Anyone. Okay. I'm going to go then. Uh, how about Mike Leach? It is Washington State Huskies hosting uh, a pretty good FCS squad, Montana State, Phil, on Saturday. Yeah, and what I wanted to, to point out right now is that uh, I'm going let, to let the listeners know right now, I have not followed Montana State at all this spring and this, this August. But I'm going to go to philsteel.com right now, and I'm going to flip down to Montana State and all the FCS games. And there's an abundance of FCS teams out there. Now, we give you the last five years' records, play-by-play, game-by-game for each team. So I can tell you at a glance now, looking at Montana State, I'm an instant, instant expert on Montana State, Michael. They were 4-7 and seven last year. They lost to Idaho by 3 uh, and at the end of the year, they did beat Montana on the road. The previous year, uh, this was a team that was 5-6. and six. So you have a, a, a team that went from scoring 43 points per game down to 25 points per game. 
And uh, overall, you have to think Montana State will be improved since they had winning records the previous years. In fact, two, three years ago, this was a team that only lost five games all year and made the playoffs. Jeff uh, Schott is their uh, head coach. And I, I think Montana State, if you look at Washington State, how they've played, they've lost two games recently against FCS teams early in the year. So I think the game will be important for Washington State more so than normal. Uh, no number on the game out there, but that basically gives you a rundown of what you can look for in Montana State heading into the year. And just to let you know, with all these FCS, FBS games out there, if you get a Phil Steele Plus membership, you can have the access to the same information that I have and become an instant expert on these FCS teams. You'll know what happened in the last five years. Every game, color-coded green and red, just like you used to see it on the FBS. And uh, Phil Steele Plus, just 89 bucks. Go to philsteel.com and get your uh, subscription, especially if you're going to be looking at any of these FCS games this weekend. Sure, absolutely, and there are an, uh, an abundance of them, and Phil makes it just that that easy for you. You can check out uh, how Kansas State will fare hosting Central Arkansas. How about South Florida? Uh, Charlie Strong off their win last week. They got Stony Brook coming in, and the Canes, Miami, Florida, Mark Rick. They open up hosting Bethune-Cookman. So, again, as Phil said, you go to Phil Steele Plus, and you're going to be good to go with that. Michael Regai, Phil Steele, our producer, Jim Nabosna. We are strong as steel. We'll do it each and every week for you here at this time. Make sure you have your blog talk radio, and you can check everything out at iTunes as well, and you won't miss anything. Phil, let's, uh, let's swing into the, uh, the great state of Texas, and our thoughts and prayers, of course, go out to, to everybody with the destruction and the aftermath of Hurricane Harvey and uh, relief efforts going on there. Of course, Houston has uh, uh, Major Applewhite, their head coach, made that announcement yesterday. They have postponed their opener until later in the year so they, they can continue with the cleanup efforts there. So all of our best thoughts to everyone affected by Hurricane Harvey. Phil, uh, Jim Herman, his Texas Longhorns. That's right, uh, uh, Tom Herman. Excuse me. His Texas Longhorns, five and seven a year ago. Uh, so a young head coach that everybody expects big, big things from. After uh, he did the same thing with those Houston Cougars, hosting DJ Durkin and the Maryland Terrapins. Second year of Durkin's regime. They got a little bit better last year. They went six and seven. Now the second year. You always say that with a, a new coach with his program, second year could pay dividends. How do you see Texas host? Hosting Maryland on Saturday. Well, you know, you've got uh, uh, Texas at home for this one. First game for Tom Herman, which is huge. And I think if you just eyeball this Texas team, you're saying, whoa, that's one of the top teams in the country. You look at that defensive line, we're talking some big boys. they got 300-pounders. They're big, athletic, agile, fast. They rush the passer, tough against the run inside with Puna Ford and Chris Nelson. You look at their secondary, these guys all look like NFL DBs. I mean, they're all 6'1 or bigger. They've all got size, speed, athleticism. You wonder, you're scratching your head, how the heck did Charlie Strong defense uh, give up the amount of points and yards, which is 448 yards, 31.5 points per game. I think Tom Herman and Todd Orlando, his defense coordinator, will take advantage of that talent level, like a Malik Jefferson, a linebacker, and have one of the better defenses out there. So I look for vast improvement there. 
Offensively, Tim Beck takes over a veteran quarterback and Shane Bouchelle who's trying to hold on to his job. He's got Chris Warren, a running back, and some pretty good offensive linemen like Connor Williams, one of the top offensive linemen in the country, Patrick Vahey and Zach Shackelford. So it's a very good Texas team. Tom Herman usually gets the most out of the talent on hand. He's going to be excited for this opener. It's a Big Ten team. It's a chance for the Big 12 to prove itself against the Big Ten. And they only have San Jose State on deck, so I think you will see a full focus here. Now with Maryland, I think they're actually a stronger team than last year. They just play a tougher schedule, so I don't know if they're going to be able to beat last year's record. But their quarterback, I had projected Caleb Henderson as a starter. He got injured in August. It's actually going to be Terrell Pigram as the QB. Now he's more of a mobile QB. Last year he only hit 52% with a 2-2 ratio. He's only a 5'11 kid, but he is a dangerous runner. I think Texas athletic talent in the defensive front seven can contain him, as well as Ty Johnson. Ty Johnson broke off some big runs last year. In fact, averaged 9.1 yards per carry. But I think Texas will be able to slow him down. And then I look at how Texas or how Maryland did against its best opponents last year. Uh, you know, they were they made the one six games got to a bowl, but against Penn State, they lost by 24. Against Michigan, they lost by 56. Against Ohio State, they lost by 59. Even against Nebraska, which was struggling at the end of the year, they only lost or they lost by 21. So all four games against anybody that was uh, ranked last year, they ended up losing by 21 points or more. It's playing in the heat of Texas. I'm going to go with Texas here uh, to win this one by three touchdowns or more. Mm, that's a, a big, big win in the opener for uh, for head coach Tom Herman. You know, this might be one of the football games, as you hear Phil evaluate it, you might like to see. And I get asked all the time, what's the best, most efficient way to buy tickets for sports events and concerts? SeatGeek. That's right, SeatGeek, the smartest, easiest, most effective way to get the seats you want, you might be able to go see Texas hosting Maryland on Saturday. Here's what you do. Get to the mobile device. It'll allow a mobile experience like no other from SeatGeek. You buy and sell tickets to the events you want with just a couple of taps. Bang, bang, just like that. You get the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. you got to make SeatGeek your go-to app. It'll save you time and a whole lot of money on every Every type of event, sporting events, concerts, theater you want, you save the time, you save the money. You know what the best part of your SeatGeek experience will be? I can tell you, you're a strong as steel listener, and you're going to get 20 bucks off. That's right, 20 bucks off your first uh, SeatGeek purchase. Download the SeatGeek app, enter the promo code STEEL, S-T-E-E-L-E, bang, $20 off just like that. Be front and center at the events you want whenever you want. Make sure you do it the best way, the only way. Get with SeatGeek. All right, Michael Regai with Phil Steele and our producer Jim Nabosna. You can get with us on the show at 646-668-2248. Know you're loving how we get you ready for a college football weekend that has five days of games this weekend, by the way. Yeah, five days of games starting on a Thursday night and right through a Monday. On Twitter, at Michael Regai, at Phil Steele, 042, and at Jimmy Boz 5. Let's bring in our producer, Jim Nabosna, right now. A lot of you are lighting the board up on Twitter. Hey, Jim, let's take a look at some of the tweets. What do we have about games this weekend? All right, first tweet of the year comes from Tommy Touchy, and he asks, with the Southern Miss starting quarterback job still in the air and with both guys likely seeing snaps, would Keon Howard give the Golden Eagles a better chance to upset Kentucky this weekend? 
Well, you you tend to go with a mobile quarterback if it's uh, six and one half does the other because he can do things when uh, things break down. But uh, I wasn't overall impressed with what Keon Howard did on the field last year. It's almost like if you're a defensive coordinator, you don't even have to worry about the pass. It was a a pretty poor season for Keon. So I I could see why the job is clearly up for grabs there. Uh, Keon last year uh, hit just 44% of his passes, one touchdown, four interceptions, throwing for 365 yards in a couple of games. He started two full games. So uh, I I think it's an advantage to Kentucky that nobody has really taken charge of that Southern Miss QB job. Southern Miss is, or Kentucky's a team that last year got out to a big lead against Southern Miss. They led 35-10 to 10 late in the second quarter, and I think they, they started looking ahead to the next week, and Southern Miss came back and beat them in that game, 44-35. And, in fact, I don't know if there was a good Kentucky play from the last minute of the first half till the end of the game. Southern dominated them that much. This time I think if Kentucky gets the lead, they will not back off, even though it's at the Rock in Hattiesburg. I think Kentucky goes in there and gets a win. Appreciate the tweet there, Tommy Touchy. Jumpman45 says, Steve Adazio needs this early season victory versus NIU. I believe their defense is ready, but will their offense score enough points for a week one victory? They need to get that offense going. And there's going to be some changes this year, BC, even though, you know, BC made it to a bowl game last year using that defense, special teams, don't take a lot of chances. Uh, you know, whoever wins that quarterback job, Darius Wade, Anthony Brown, I think will do better. They got John Hilleman. Now, Hilleman last year didn't have the type of year expected. I mean, he averaged 2.9 yards per carry. He's coming off that injury that he had in 15 and had a red shirt. But I'll go back to 14. He averaged 4.1 yards per carry, had 860 yards. And talking to Coach Adazio this spring, he said that Hilleman is a guy that's back to that 2014 form. So I think you'll see the stronger run game. They've got some receivers. Tommy Sweeney, Sweeney at tight end, Michael Walker, Jeff Smith at receiver. The offensive line should be improved. It's always been a tradition for BC to have a good offensive line. I think they finally have one this year. And then defensively, Matt Harold Lang- and Landry coming off the edge, Zach Allen coming off the edge on the defensive ends, uh, Strahan at the middle linebacker spot, William Harris at strong safety. That defense is definitely there. Now, I can tell you this. Northern has a completely different attitude heading into the year. Talking to their head coach this uh, August, or this uh, summer, I should say, said last year maybe the kids thought, hey, we could just throw our hats on the field and win. They've got a completely different attitude. They're at home. They usually do very well in these games versus FBS teams, so they'll be fired up. It's one of the underrated home crowds out there. Uh, It's one of the louder stadiums, especially in the MAC. but I think BC escapes with a close win. Should be a great game. Danny Zay's got a question about a Sunday night matchup. He says UCLA was miserable running the ball last year. Do you see this being a problem versus A&M? And do you think UCLA starts the season off with a win? That's going to be the key to this game. And I think you hit it right on the head Uh, last year. You know, now you could say in the second half of the year, teams did not have to worry about a pass attack with Josh Rosen out, but their running game struggles actually happened earlier than that. I mean, they averaged, Uh, 1.5 yards per carry against BYU with Rosen there. They averaged 2.3 yards per carry against Stanford. Now, what happened was UCLA ran a spread offense. Josh Rosen ran a spread offense in high school. And last year, 
Moore tried to switch it up. He tried to take him to the pro style, and I don't know if he had the personnel. Definitely didn't necessarily didn't have the quarterback for it, and I think the pro style attack did not work whatsoever. So in comes third offense coordinator in three years. It's Jed Fish. I think he, that's been their prime focus of the spring is to run the ball better, and they've got some running backs. I know they couldn't run it last year. Don't have anybody with the big stats, but Brandon Stevens, uh, Bolu, well, we'll just call him Olu. It's, his name is Olu Run for me. It's very tough to pronounce. Uh, Jamambo, Starks, they've got they've got a deep set there. They've got Quisenberry up front, Colton Miller at left tackle. The pieces are there. That's going to be the key because a and going to be tougher against the run this year. They've got some big boys in the middle. Their question is getting pressure on the edge. I think Josh Rosen does enough here to get the win. And when I talked to Coach Mora this summer, uh, actually right before Pac-12 media days, and we were going over the defensive line, he feels that the defensive line is the strength on the team without a doubt, that he's got four or five defensive ends can play. So watch that UCLA defensive line, and I think if they average over three yards per carry, which I think they will, UCLA wins this game. If it's back to last year where they're getting one yard a carry or two yards a carry, they'll struggle. But I think they top probably get close to four yards per carry in this game and win it at home. Appreciate the tweet. And JTN85 has a question on the OK State-Tulsa game. He said, last year we saw an AAC team beat a Big 12 team in the opener with Houston taking down Oklahoma. Is there any shot we see something similar this year? Well, I'd, I'd be more comfortable about Tulsa if I was more comfortable at the quarterback position. Now, keep in mind, Philip Montgomery's the guy from Baylor, and at Baylor – they could take a fifth year, anybody, step in at the quarterback spot. I remember Robert Griffin got injured one year, and his backup, some very underrated guy, comes off the bench, throws for over 4,000 yards. I think Philip Montgomery, no matter who he chooses at QB, will throw for 4,000 yards this year, whether it's Chad President or Luke Skipper, the redshirt frosh. But I need to see one of those guys emerge. And I think Oklahoma State, probably a little bit too balanced on the offense. they got the triplets back there uh, with Mason Rudolph, a quarterback, Justice Hill at uh, running back, and Washington, a receiver. I like Tulsa's running backs with Brewer and Warren. I like the receiving core with Johnson and Hobbs. I like their offensive line. Their defense is going to struggle a little bit to stay with Oklahoma State. It'll be a high-scoring game. How quickly that new quarterback emerges would be the key. But uh, I don't think they could pull the upset. I can see them making it clear. Close, but I've got Oklahoma State winning that game. Terrific stuff. Appreciate uh, all the tweets. And again, we're going to do that. We're going to go into the Twitter mailbag each and every week here on Strongest Steel. So just because you may not be able to uh, access a phone call to the show, you're not going to be shut out at all. Speaking about not being shut out, of course, uh, Phil uh, always uh, allows you to understand uh, where you can find him uh, all the time and the various things. I'm going to continue uh, my calling to college football for ESPN. And uh, tomorrow, my opener, I'll uh, be in the MAC, the Mid-American Conference, up in Mount Pleasant, Michigan, to see maybe Shane Morris, that Michigan transfer. Central Michigan is hosting Rhode Island from uh, the um, the CAA, the Colonial Athletic Association, a very good F, uh, FCS uh, conference. And uh, Phil, former um, former Michigan national champion, a strong safety that played with Charles Woodson, Marcus Ray is uh, going to be the color analyst and join nice. me on the call. So, yeah, looking forward Marcus, to that. So, Marcus Ray, Marcus yeah, played Ray with the Oakland Raiders. Is, 
Yes, he's a guy that does a tremendous job of research. I watched the uh, Michigan spring game, and Marcus Ray did that, called that game. I tell you what, mm-hmm. he prepared for that game, and I got so much information from Marcus Ray. You make sure that you tell him I thought he did a tremendous job. And a little bit about Rhode Island, once again, going back to that Phil Steele Plus, you're wondering, hey, what about these FCS teams? Rhode Island is a team that was 1-10 and 10 in 2015, losing their games by an average of 30-13. to 13. Last year, Rhode Island was just 2-9, and nine, losing their games by an average of 36-17. to 17. They got beat by Kansas 55-6. to 6. They got beat by Syracuse 47 to nothing. Now, I don't want to take away the suspense from your broadcast, Michael, but uh, <laughs> okay. i got to think Central Michigan's got a decent <laughs> chance of beating Rhode Island. The previous year, Rhode Island was 1-10, and 10, so the CAA may be a tough conference, but one of the teams at the very bottom is Rhode Island. And guess what? I knew nothing about Rhode Island until I just went to Phil Steele Plus, checked on the team page, got all that information for you. So uh, that should be fun, though. I'm going to definitely check that broadcast out there, Michael, because I know the information will be coming out of you and Michael Marcus Ray. Yeah, well, now you you got Marcus' head all inflated, so I don't know if I'm going to be able to work with him. No, just kidding. Marcus does a terrific job, <laughs> and uh, the Watch ESPN app is the best way to go. You know, there'll be so many openers uh, throughout this weekend uh, from an FBS against an FCS. So just check out the Watch your Watch ESPN app, and you'll be guided uh, to any game of your choice. And we hope you drop by tomorrow night. We're very glad you dropped by. Strong as steel, our our game number one edition in preview of this uh, big Labor Day weekend. Michael Regai, Phil Steele, of course, a preeminent uh, analyst in college football, and our producer Jim Nabosna. Six four six 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 eight twenty two forty eight. Phil, in the time we have left, we got to get into the top five, man. Let's start with those uh, Clemson Tigers, defending national champions. Uh, they're hosting Kent State. Kelly Bryant right now going to take over for Deshaun Watson. I still got him as a college football playoff squad, remember, come the end of the year. Uh, how do you see uh, this opener for Clemson against Kent State? Yeah, and unfortunately, Kent State uh, head coach Paul Haynes has to take a leave of absence the first three weeks of the season. So that's best of luck to him getting back on the field and getting back to coaching. Sure. And, uh, uh, I think when you look at Kent State, they struggled to move the ball last year. Nobody's going to move the ball in Clemson's defense. And if you're rooting for Clemson, I think they're about a 40-point favorite in this game. Hope for mm-hmm. the shutout because if the shutout is there in the fourth quarter, the defense plays with intensity late in the game because everybody wants a shutout, and I think that possibility exists. An early score, you may not see the defense play with as much. But offensively, if I'm Clemson, I just lost my quarterback, top two running backs, top receiver, top tight end, I need to get ready for Auburn next week. So I'm going to let these guys play, let them gain confidence. I think you will see Clemson putting it up. I feel bad for Kent State here. Tough time to go play Clemson, the defending champs at home in a situation like this. i, I got to like Clemson to win it big. Yep, absolutely. Uh, that's the way it looks at the Westgate and all the, uh, the sports books in Vegas. And you're going to have to give up a big, big number, as you would imagine, if you're looking at uh, at Clemson this weekend. Phil, let's. Uh, we've already discussed a little bit USC, but they're hosting a squad that was the entrant from the Group of Five last year for those New Year's Day bowls. Now PJ Fleck is uh, going rolling the boat uh, with the Minnesota Gophers now, but Western Michigan is going out the La La Land. The angle with Sam Darnold, Heisman candidate. It's Tim Lester's job now at Western Michigan. Can the, they got a lot of talent back. Can the Broncos hang on Saturday and stay respectable against USC? 
You know, I think Western Michigan's success of last year is probably going to hurt them here because there they were playing in the Cotton Bowl last year. Everybody knows who Western is, but they not only lose their head coach, they lose their quarterback in Zach Terrell. Uh, and then, uh, you know, it's interesting when I was talking to Rod Carey, the coach of Northern Illinois, he said, watch out for Western's quarterback, Tom Flacco. This guy's going to be one of the better quarterbacks mm-hmm. of the Mac. And then he up and transfers out. So, I mean, it's Joe Wasnick's job at QB. They do have Franklin and Bogan. But I don't think Western's going to be able to hang with USC, even though it's probably, uh, you know, you look at the team defensively, they're very experienced. I think this Trojan team is just loaded, and arguably last year, Michael, I don't know if anybody in the country wanted to play USC those final three weeks of the season. They were that good of a team. Uh, I think they opened up the season strong. I like the Trojans at home in that one. Well, there's a lot of, of course, always conversation about the consistency of USC. And now they're a consensus top five team. And will Clay Helton be able to keep that ship righted? And, uh, boy, you know right away next week it's uh, uh, from that into uh, the tangle against Washington. So that'll be interesting to watch. Phil, uh, let's go to uh, the 1A in Atlanta that's got everybody buzzing on Saturday. Florida State 10-win football team. Jimbo Fisher, one-point win over Michigan to uh, win the Orange Bowl last year. We know the Alabama story. Got beat on a final drive at the final gun by Clemson, 35-31. Hey, Phil, you know, you've got them both in the college football playoffs, so the loser of this one uh, certainly will rebound. How do you see this shaking out? You know, if this game was played at the end of last year, Michael, I'd like Alabama by two touchdowns. Why? They had a dominant defensive front that put up 53 and 54 sacks the last two years. And Florida State's offensive line gave up a lot of sacks, a lot of TFLs, and a lot of quarterback pressures. In fact, DeAndre Francois proved he was a man last year by getting up off the turf constantly, all season long, after tough hits. But... What has swayed me to think this one's going to go right down to the wire this year is Florida State does have a much improved offensive line. In fact, uh, when I talked to Coach Fisher this summer, uh, we went over the team, and he said his interior, the offensive line, is vastly improved. And remember last year when I talked to Coach Fisher, and we're going over the team, every single position, he said, boy, are we going to be good next year. Next year is here for Florida State. And I think if there's one team in the country that really line up against uh, Alabama player for player across the board, it is this Florida State team, very talented. And meanwhile, Alabama the last two years has gotten pressure on the quarterback with basically four defensive linemen. They haven't had to bring an extra player whatsoever. I think this year they will have to bring some extra players. They lost a lot of their big-time pass rushers from last year. So I think that with Florida State's offensive line holding Bama a little bit at bay, I will let all these Florida State weapons have some effect. I do think you have two of the best defenses in the country. I don't think it's going to be a super high-scoring game. But I think this is going to live up to that number one against number three billing, come right down to the wire. And I'm going to call for Alabama to escape by a field goal, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if Florida State pulls the upset. And one quick note uh, about uh, inside the press box while I'm, uh, while we're here is that inside the press box gives you my computer projection on every game. So you get the computer projection on Alabama, Florida State, yards rushing, yards passing, points, everything. You're scrambling around trying to prepare for this first week of college football, right? I've already done this for the last four months. My computer's done this for the last four months. We've got every single game broken down. You get yards rushing, yards passing, points. It's all on Inside the Press Box. Just go to Inside the Press Box. 
com. When you go to InsideThePressBox.com, get a sample issue, find out what's going on. But it, it has every game. You become an instant expert. And I don't make a forecast without looking at what my computer forecast. I don't always agree with my computer. We've had some arguments during the year. But uh, I, it's one of those things where I never make a forecast without looking. So do go to InsideThePressBox.com because I know we didn't cover every game. And I know there's games you're interested in. You get a complete breakdown on InsideThePressBox.com. Valuable information that you got to have. Phil, we got about two minutes left. We're going to go and sneak one more caller in. We head to the great state of New Jersey. Uh, let's get our man Rich in as he's looking at West Virginia and Virginia Tech and Landover. Hey, Rich, welcome. How you doing? Hey, guys, thanks for taking the call. I'm a big Dana Holgerson fan. I really think that Will Greer is probably going to be an upgrade for them at quarterback this year. I'm just kind of curious to see how you think they match up with that Bud Foster Virginia Tech defense. Okay, and I echo your sentiment. I think Will Greer is an upgraded quarterback this year, and uh, I, I think that uh, losing Durante was going to hurt a little bit, uh, the receiver position. And defensively, you know, you look at West Virginia, you see just three starters back, but one guy not counted there is Drayvon Askew-Henry, who is their, their outstanding free safety, probably their best defensive player last year. He got injured prior to the season. He's back, but they do only return 28.9% of the tackles. Uh, Virginia Tech is just the opposite. They've got a veteran defense, and they've got some question marks. Like their quarterback left early for the NFL, didn't get drafted. Don't know why he left. Seems pretty strange. Uh, I think the crowd will be split for this one. Should be a great game. I do think Virginia Tech's a little bit stronger of a team, especially early on with that young defense and Will Greer making his first start. So I'm going to go with VT to win the game. But I I think it's going to be an excellent game and, and well worth watching on Sunday. Appreciate the call there, Rich. Yeah, that's going to be a must for Sunday viewership in this huge college football weekend. It all starts uh, tomorrow, Thursday the 31st, Ohio State and Indiana that we touched on at the top of the show, uh, a headliner for, for so many reasons that are very intriguing with that. And then uh, through five football days, Phil, every weekend should be like this. Don't you agree, Phil Steele? Oh, absolutely. And I think the uh, the four-team playoff has got more big non-conference games. We've seen it the last couple of years. I think it'll continue to grow. And uh, once again, I do want to ask all the listeners, check out ESPN.com slash Phil Steele. Get all my stuff up there on ESPN each week, college, pro. You get a lot of stuff up there for just $3.33 a month. ESPN.com slash Phil Steele for more information on that. That's a winner. We hope that uh, you believe that uh, all that you get from philsteel.com and uh, us here each and every week, Strong as Steel, will be back at next Wednesday live at noon. We appreciate your listenership. Make sure you tell all your, your favorite uh, college football buddies, guys and gals, that this is the place they need to be to get uh, all the information that you'll need. And it's going to enhance your viewing pleasure, trust us, with your college football weekend. So we've got a lot to go over when we get back again uh, next week. We'll see you next Wednesday right here on uh, our next edition of Strong as Steel. Again, uh, apologies for the slight technical snafu we had today. We will feverishly get on that and uh, have it worked out next time we get together. But, Phil, great stuff today. Good show. We're off and running. And let the games begin, my man. And love the amount of callers we had. Thank you, everyone, for calling in and tweeting in as well. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Great stuff, Phil. Enjoy the weekend. Uh, that's Phil Steele. Now for Phil and our producer, uh, Jim Nabazna. I'm Michael Regai. Don't forget, you can go to iTunes, okay? Well, all our previews are still up there, by the way. All the previews of uh, all 
10 FBS conferences in the independents. They're all there. You can go grab them there at iTunes and, of course, this very first uh, episode of Strong as Steel as well. Enjoy the college football weekend, everybody. A lot to talk about next week. It's going to be terrific for our producer, Jim Nabaz and Phil Steele. I'm Michael Regai. Great to have you with us, as always, on this edition of Strong as Steel. We'll see you next time, everyone. Till then, so long.